Hello, and welcome to the second episode of Born to Create, an art podcast where each week I bring on a different creative from my course to chat about art. I hope our conversations will illustrate the current climate that we are living in and how the pandemic has impacted each artist's practice. I aim to show the value of art and creativity for humanity and dive into the stories of the artists that are soon to leave the fine art studios after three years at the University of Salford. Each episode surrounds the special guest. Today, I've got Maria Christou with me to share her story. Hello, so excited to be here. Maria is a multidisciplinary artist with a primary passion for painting and performance, both documented through video and in front of a live audience. She's recently discovered a love for film photography, as well as a new appreciation for monoprinting. We've been close since first year, where we partnered up to do a lot of body painting collaborative work, while we explored the female identity and our sexualized bodies. We slowly both understood our personal experiences of trauma over the years, and took very different approaches to reach a common goal of exploring our unconscious through our art. We live together now, and I have two of her early paintings hanging in my room. One of the paintings I have, Maria painted, inspired by Annie Sprinkle's performance piece, Public Cervix Announcement, in which Sprinkles used a speculum to open up her vaginal canal and allow the public to come up to her one by one with a torch to see what a real cervix looked like. Sprinkles was famous for demystifying her sexual organs on stage, and I was drawn to this painting of Maria's the second I saw it, at first purely for the black and white tones in which it was painted, but I love it even more now that I know the power of the woman depicted. I've noticed it's rare to see Maria make a painting in grayscale, so I reserved that piece as soon as I saw it, because I loved the way in which the paint was applied to the canvas and it holds pride of place above my mirror. I can't wait to learn more about her journey and the choices that will have influenced the work she has made in her life. So without further ado, Maria, welcome. Where are you from and how does that affect your work? I'm from Cyprus. Um, I moved here three years ago, roughly, when I started uni. It affects my work in lots of different ways. Um, I think part of where I'm from uh, made me find my boundaries, made me uh, want to explore my boundaries more and find my own um, way to the limits in art um, and my own limits in art. And being from Cyprus made me want to explore that more. Made, uh, things and the culture in Cyprus made me want to move away and see what's more. What what is in the world? What's more than that? And want to explore the unexpected, the even vulgar and expressive. The more expression, the more expression, the better. That's how my mindset was. That's how I was feeling. And it's like you finally had the chance to have a voice and you were going to use it to be as loud and expressive yes, as possible. Yes, yeah. I, I moved away and I was like, a new start. I'm gonna find my way in art, f- find w- what I am. Because I, I had a very strong opinion about me, always have. And instead of trying to find myself in art, I chose in the end to choose who I am in art, 
not finding because it's not about finding yourself who are you to find yourself is uh, explore yourself and identify yourself define yourself more like in simple words and moving here made me want to do that made me want to start from the beginning again without thinking and it was very nice journey interesting i have to say so yeah i mean that leads me on to my next question what was your journey like into art school like why do you make art i was always interested in art like from a very young age i remember myself trying to do things in art even with pencils with colors with not colors with i was always intrigued by art and then i saw my grandma uh, from my mother's side um exploring things in art with watercolor on fabrics mm. and very, very alternative ways of using art very soft very delicate and i learned how to do that i learned how to have these delicate marks but i wasn't i was feeling nice that i was sharing it with her but at the same time i wanted to to have texture i wanted to like um, scream i wanted power looking at my other grandma uh, was doing i don't actually know the word in english is let's play this game yeah. describe it okay um when you have little pieces and you put them together to make a knot piece not a puzzle or mosaic like little pieces of coloured stone that yeah. you then put cement between, yeah. mosaic, yeah. Yeah, yeah. My grandma, uh, from my dad's side, used to make loads of these. Um, I have, we have a table at home that she made. I used to love mosaic, um, yeah, it's a great medium. My aunt uh, made glass art. When I was younger, I had lots of friends. I, I grew up in a neighborhood, so we had an environment of creativity. We were making jewelries. We were making. We were selling it to like family members, <laughs> nice. and like nice. um, yeah, the business mind of like having um, creative things. It was like necklaces, bracelets, lots of like small things that we were making by our hand. And it was doing art wasn't an alien thing to me it was like a thing that it existed in my life mm. and then i left it for a bit because teenage years because school <laughs> yeah because school i had music i had dancing i had lots of different things that i was doing i had hobbies lots of hobbies when i changed school i had to choose igcses and i chose art and design that was my way back in art mm. of actually falling in love with it all over again. I remember my teacher, my art teacher, trusting me, showing me how interesting my art was and the way that he responded to me by the way I was doing things made me want to do more, made me want to explore more and he saw something in me that I wasn't seeing in myself. So I was like, the way that he's seeing me I want to see myself, so mm. I want to fight for it, I want to explore more. But I was a stubborn, so it's like, I didn't didn't actually listen to anyone, I was... You? Stubborn? <laughs> I was so annoying, and whatever I learn is from going 
my own way, no working, and then deciding, oh, maybe let's try that thing that someone suggested or my teacher suggested. I know that my way doesn't work now, so maybe I'll account. Uh, maybe I'll try other people's ideas. <laughs> but it's a fair thing. It means that you were so, you were so driven by the need to make these things that you like. It didn't matter whether your way would work or not. You needed to find out. Yeah. And then once you had found out, you were then able to maybe take in other ideas or possibilities to get to where you wanted to go. Yeah. But, but I was yeah. lots of times I was wrong. But I、mm. had to try my own way、mm. because I needed to know if my own way works or not. Yeah. Because if I didn't do it, how will I know? Exactly, exactly. It's a it's a it's a great way to make. I really admire it. I went I went into lots of fights with people I love though because of it. <laughs> well, there's a there is always two sides to the coin, but it will it will really help you be driven, and it will have helped you make a lot more of the work. And instead of you know staying in your own head, you have a, a body of work that's been you experimenting and yeah processing a lot of the things you've gone through in life. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, what inspired you growing up? So, like, where do you find your inspiration? I had lots of、um, like images with me growing up, and I think the start of me having imagination it was when my mom used to read me like every night. We had like our own time, our own corner, on in her bed or my bed, and we were reading, and that. Her like acting and being in a character, changing her voice made me、um, create these images in my brain of like the story going on, and the, it was so interesting, so intriguing to me when I was young. I wish we never stopped. Like I wish we we didn't stop. We we were going on for like a, I was quite old when we stopped, but I wish we didn't because that was I think the first form of.、Um, Inspiration that I had, like my mom reading to me a book, or me with her reading a book, because、mm. I wanted, I wanted to be able to read as well when I was really young. It was really interesting, and I do miss those moments. They're really important、yeah. to me.、Um, Happy memories that you'll cherish、yeah. forever, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Other inspirations, it was I think, like I said, I I was around people that were creative. My my mom was also write like she was writing always. I always remember her writing or reading books. So I learned to read books as well. That also set、uh, like an art scene for me of having to understand what I like or what do I don't like, what do I find fascinating, or not. And I remember、um, sometime I think fourteen, thirteen. I wanted to be a crim. Criminologist or something like that, but crimes,、cool. yeah, yeah, crimes was a big inspiration. <laughs> I I found the the mind so fascinating about what a human being can do, how destroyed you can be, and、mm. I could relate to the killers a lot without like being a killer. But I I was seeing myself. I could relate to every single story. I was I was. Reading that played a lot of why I wanted to be a criminologist. Then when I found out、uh, back in in school when I got the IGCSE from the first year, I was like, that's it, that's what I want to do. Like it's just I never felt so much excitement. Like that was the thing that took me out of my depression, out of my misery, out of everything that I was feeling. It was me doing art. And I was like, I, 
just can't do anything else. I have to do that. Like, I own it to myself to do art. And the first person I remember that was excited about that, like all my family was supportive of, of my choice. But the first reaction that I got, very positive reaction, it was my grandma. That um, she was doing the watercolor on fabric. She was really excited to see me develop as an artist. And she died before she saw me. But uh, she was really proud of me, of pursuing my dream and going to the unknown. She was seeing the changes in me and she was always commenting on like my hair or like things that I was changing. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was good to see her looking at me with um, pride. Yeah, maybe, almost maybe, admiring. Yeah, maybe she was living vicariously yeah. through you. Like Which is, it was, it was so good couldn't. to see. Um, mm. Because my grandma was also sewing, was also making clothes, and now I'm, I'm wearing those clothes. I'm wearing the clothes that uh, she sold to my mom. And I feel so emotional every time I do it because it's like I have her with me. I have yeah. the things that she made. Oh, I'm getting emotional. Okay. So yeah, I had lots of inspirations growing up and I don't think I saw it at the time. I thought that the only inspiration that I had was my brain, was um, the way I was feeling, which was not true at all. Because yes, I was going through a terrible time, but lots of people around me helped me and I didn't see that at the time. I had lots of people supporting me. And the fact that my parents didn't question at all and they just helped me just go away and live my dream is just unbelievable. I don't think at the time I really processed it. Mm. It was like me moving away and after like a year or so really processing it that I'm away. <laughs> I'm really not in Cyprus. Yeah, yeah Manchester became my home. It's always gonna have like a sort of spot in my heart of because course. it's the it's the start of me. Mm. That was really that was really nice. That was really interesting. Are you happy to move on to the next question? Yeah. <laughs> How has your style changed over time? What was or is now maybe your preferred medium? I know mm. that you like to have your your hand in lots <laughs> of time. You, you, you like to have what is it? Your your thumb in multiple pies or finger in multiple pies, but. I know that. Like an octopus. <laughs> <laughs> so, how, yeah, how's your style developed? I started as a painter. I think I'm always going to be a painter, but I started as strictly painting. So, I was experimenting with layers, with how I make a traditional way of painting my way. And I was doing that for a, from a very start. Uh, like, how old were you when you started properly painting? Probably painting, I think it was. When I pursued IGCSE, so I was 15, I wasn't... Were you making art before that? What kind of... Would you ever make anything creative? Yeah, I was... I I liked scribbling. I liked uh, drawings that had messy parts. I always... I found fascinating art in general. But I, I think I was so busy with my thoughts and the hobbies that I had mm. at the time. So I didn't really find time for it. Yeah. But I remember being interested in 
films as well because I was always like a lover of films and seeing the cinematography in films made me really inspired and I think that was also an inspiration of mine mm. seeing films and I, I can see me now why I'm doing performances like seeing the audience and not the audience kind of um, perspective so I started with the pencil or like a graffiti and then I did charcoal. When you say graffiti, do you mean graphite or were you actually doing graffiti on walls? Oh, graphite. Mm. Just wanted graphite. to double check. Yes, graphite. <laughs> graffiti would have been awesome too though. I didn't actually try. I might. Oh, it's such a great movie. I might. <laughs> so you started with pencil drawings? Yes, yes. Lots of charcoal and pencil drawings. I started with lots of detail in it. I had some of realism in it, depth and also messy parts on the same page, which I, at the time I couldn't connect as much. I was happy with what I was doing. I was spending lots of time thinking about, not thinking about, making things. It, it was like, what should I do? And I also spent lots of time doing uh, portraits as well. I have a friend uh, that she was my model and I took pictures of her and I draw, and I draw her. So I, I focus on her characteristics. How do I make it? How do I make a portrait look like her without accurate characteristics? So is the feeling of her? Is the, the vibe of her? Seeing that now, I think it's more accurate than I, I wanted it to be. I mean, we develop. Yeah, we, we developed. How, how, what, was this like A-levels? It was... Uh, I, I had this project with her during IGCSE and mm -hmm. after. So I had lots of... I, I painted her face as well. So mm -hmm. I, sta I started that before I came to uni. Painting on, mm, on faces. Yeah, but that was really interesting because I... It wasn't the whole face. It was like starting to melt. Parts of it was colourful, parts of it, so it was like a changing skin, like a snake kind of thing, which was really interesting. I started the style that I have now way before uni, but it, I didn't have the freedom to express it more, but the, my teacher was pushing me with ideas and concepts and techniques. He knew me really well, really, really well. So he knew how my style could develop and seeing it develop. And that feeling of having someone knowing knowing you that much, it was like, I, I felt protected. I yeah, felt like safe. he could form me in a way or like help me form like a safe space that I could form myself or uh, react the way I wanted, express myself. We became really good friends through the lessons, through me trying to express myself throughout. And he introduced me to Marina Abramovic. Ah. And then my whole perspective in art changed. I was like, what is art? What is it then? Like, yeah. what could I make? And Marina Abramovic became my main inspiration after that. Like, I became a little bit obsessed. <laughs> I mean, she is pretty cool. It's a very understandable obsession. She's done some incredible things. So in art performance, she helped a lot to form my ideas. In painting, I developed 
I think I was always doing a back and forth kind of. Uh, I was. I wasn't. It's not consistent. It's not like going up or going down. It was like like kind of. <laughs> that is one thing about Maria. There are some magnificent <laughs> sound effects that come with her existence. You know what I mean, though. Uh, I, I know exactly what you mean, but I can't make that noise. Yeah. So I. We came to understand my style because with me it wasn't that I had just a style, it's that my hand was moving me, my hand was controlling me. So most of the time I was fighting with the paint, I was fighting mm. against the paper. My hand was driving me, I wasn't driving my hand. Yeah. With the time, like through uni years, I developed sort of kind of control over it <laughs> to uh, have some rules, to form some rules for my style mm. and to explore more things that I didn't think it was my style because having a style can make you great and stuck. Mm. Like not being able to move forward. Mm. And I think without my teacher as well, I felt like I have to have my own way of driving my hand, driving my style because he, I think he knew more than me how to make my style work. Mm. I tried to reflect back to what, what I was doing, how he was advised me to do things back to what I was doing in first year and I always thought what would he, what would he think about that? What would he think about my painting, about this style, about... And with a lot of things that I was doing, I I wasn't completely happy with it, but the process was worth it. The process of making it made me happy. Mm. The process was your main goal. Yeah. And whatever you like were left with were, it existed, but you cared about the process. Yeah. If you had to pick a preferred medium now, if you had to pick one, I'm going to make you try. <laughs> Um, I I don't think I can choose. I like everything in different ways. Mm. I can't say that depends on how I feel. I pick another medium. That's why I always do things at the same time. I have like a million things going on <laughs> and a million things at the same time. Like if you see my studio, it's all over the place. There's sketches, there's paintings, unfinished paintings, there's Paintings that had gesso or background on, but never been finished or never started. Sketches in lots of different notebooks. Ideas that I cannot translate. <laughs> I have po random poems that I wanted to create something from it and I don't remember what I meant. Uh, it's just <laughs> a chaos, really. I like making things. That, that was always the main thing, that I, I was gonna make it. And it mm. didn't matter why mm. didn't matter how but i was gonna make it yeah maybe it's like how your emotional state has changed over the years has changed how you approach this process and so it's maybe not necessarily about a style or a medium for you it's like i'm in this emotional state so i'm gonna make this thing today yes and i want to work through this thing today and i'm gonna use this to do that but it's not necessarily going oh, i want to make a i want to do a painting right now i want to do a print right now it's I'm feeling this and I need to express it. Would you yeah, say that's something? Yeah, because it, every time I start with something, it's not fully formed. 
so it's always changing or like i'm gonna uh, start with a painting and then being like oh my god i got i got an, an, an idea that i need to photograph that i need to um do in film photography or film um or it's just all over the place that's why i feel like um i have no time to reflect on anything or like most of the things that i do mm. because my brain keeps on going so fast that i try to keep up with it mm. and in reality i cannot <laughs> I, i cannot keep up with it but i really try and i think i'm exhausted all the time because of that reason i'm really excited about what i'm doing maybe that moves us on to your current work and what that's more about and like what maybe what you're trying to Uh, what, what are you aiming to do or show through your art? The, this quote made me think a lot. My art portrayed my unconscious for my paintings and change it, re-change it, um, to process with my paintings and monotypes and all the mediums that I'm doing. The process of it, it made me feel something. It made me change my opinion on something or change my perspective even in life i think my aim at the moment is for the audience or for the participants to have a feeling to feel something to get something from it to mm. see things that i didn't see when i did it mm. i always enjoy the story that someone has in my paintings or in monotypes mm. the texture can create creatures that I do it but at the same time sometimes it's not on purpose sometimes it just creates things because I express myself so if someone can relate to it if someone can see his own perception his own life through it his own um, maybe memories in it as well Like, it's, it's just wonderful because then my art can exist without me, without mm. me mm. in it. Mm. Because it can exist by itself and by other people's journeys. Yeah, and as a feeling yes. that can, other people can relate to. Yes. So mm. I think that's my aim. Mm. And that's what I'm, I'm trying to do. But I'm trying not to think about it too much because when I, when I think about what I do, I just... It just doesn't work. I think I just make things and then I... <laughs> It's a way to make. Yeah. It's proved quite successful for you. Yeah, it did. Because I process with making. I don't process with words. Yeah, that's where you and me differ quite a lot. Yeah. It's where <laughs> yeah. you're, you're, we did the personality tests and you're a visionary. Yeah. And I think this it, it very much encompasses everything about you, that you keep having new ideas and you're full of them and you want to try this and you want to try that and you want to try this and what about this? Oh, what about <laughs> this? And uh, yeah, and then the amount of times you've come to me with some obscure idea that's like, okay, how can I do this? And then I can come back at you with all of my thinking and my over-analyzing of everything and give you a way of making whatever you want to make. Like practical skills. Yeah, the logistics I can cover quite well if you come up with the ideas. Yeah, I think that's also a big part of it. The, the people that they have around me in the studios, mm. like you always have the different artist perspective because you're not a painter. Mm. You see the painting as a very different thing 
and it, it grounds me lots of times like I actually have to think about what you're saying or what you're getting from it and rethink my process and from painters perspective my friends in the studio like uh, Ri, Evita, Lula they they have amazing skills that I was fascinated by it and they all they help me have my style have the thing that I have now I always have a third opinion I need that third opinion because I go way into it and I destroy what I make or I I took it in another way and because it's the it's a whole fight for me it's a whole journey it's a whole survival skills for the painting <laughs> and so i want a third opinion of about how would i make it pop up more or how would i make it um what what color should i add like mm. things like that mm. all the um, the colorful theory the yeah. they've got that technical yeah knowledge. yeah which i i don't necessarily ever think about but having them around made me research, made me learn about lots of things. And I'm truly grateful for that. That's awesome. Have you learned any new skills with mediums or techniques that you, you can share that changed your life? Um, yeah, actually, um, in oil painting, um, help me in monotypes later, but in oil painting, I learn not to be scared to have soft marks. Mm. That was a law for me because I was like, that's too soft. Like, that's <laughs> not me. And to combine it with texture, like um, Olga's paintings, yeah. like the way she's expressing herself in it, how could I combine it with something soft so I can have, so I can have that contract? I can have that focus that I want in it. How would a painting work like that? Um, oil painting changed the way I, I was seeing paint in general. Changing from acrylic to oil is a whole different subject, which I I only started like a few months ago. And I really loved it. Like I loved it all the way through. It's a, not gonna lie, it's a love-hate relationship, but it's going, like, it's, it's getting there. Yeah. And seeing lots of people using oil in different ways of um, how would you have layers, how would you have texture, how would it work together. Mm. Yeah, it really, really helped me. And it helped me in monotypes as well, of the way I do monotypes is removing paint from it, is having a background black usually and i remove paint from it to create a picture or a photo whatever i want that removal of things is removed from the darkness to create something is there uh, trying to find something from the abstraction it's mm. like finding your way through abstraction to find something it's very therapeutic but but also it teach me lots of things that I learned in oil painting and I had to uh, do in seconds in mono monotype which oil painting is not about removal which is re it's really strange how I my mind relates those things but having a mark and embracing that mark it made me see how could I make these marks by removing things yeah 
like you work in negative. Yeah.、Mm. And concept-wise, I feel like my marks are always stronger than my concept. I I'm, I'm always thinking. I have like a painting in front of me, and I'm like, oh, I like this mark, and I like this mark, and this mark, and but I want to do something else because concept-wise, I need to change these bits, or like,、mm. and I have to change it, but I don't because I'm like, I want these marks <laughs> there. It's just, it, yeah, yeah. Con- my marks are always stronger than my concept, and. That's why I think、um, I get disappointed when I have a theme at the start,、mm. and I try to work on the theme. Yeah, is starting with an idea, which I became better of having an underpainting, starting with ideas and building it up.、Mm. But having the ability to live with the painting and go with it, flow with it, let the painting shock you, let、mm. let it. Guide you. Yeah, let it guide you instead of you guiding it. Yeah. Which I'm, I'm still working on.、Mm. It's, a, it's a, it's a long process. I'm really enjoying it through all the mediums which I'm trying that because through photography, I'm abstracting the body as well.、Mm. How you abstract the body in photographs,、mm. it's, it's very interesting, and I'm starting to get really interested about the way it, and excited about the things that I'm making. Yeah, because you're moving more towards like performance and live performance and abstract abstracting the body in your videos.、Uh, Maria recently had an a piece of hers exhibited at the uh, uh, Antwerp Mansion, the West Art Collective exhibition, and it was a video where she'd filmed. I think how many bodies did you have? Four. Four. Four, four people were were all nude and sort of climbing over each other and moving slowly between、yeah. each other. And when she edited it, she edited. Multiple layers of these bodies all overlapping, to really give you a sense of that the form was made out of body parts, but no singular f- body was clear, and it was a really mesmerizing sort of kaleidoscope effect and a different way of perceiving the body, which changed the the normal sort of one head, two arms, two legs. Like this is definitely not how Mar- Maria sees bodies. <laughs> Maria sees bodies has having extra parts and moving in different ways and extending and. It potentially shows sort of the relationship to her own body, or the distortion, yeah, the distortion that she's felt and perceived over time of how society has made her feel about her body. And it was a really, it was a really mesmerizing piece. I'm just remembering it off the top of my head, and、uh, it was, it showed how you pushed this idea of painting into your performances,、mm. which are now going towards more of a, a live direction because of that connection with the audience that、yeah. you're seeking to find now. Looking back to audience, I I feel like the idea of the audience, I'm trying to embrace more.、I'm、going to do a live art performance, which I'm projecting a video with、uh, multiple bodies on me, and I will be drawing the audience. So I'm naked there, and there is the video of multiple people like distorted bodies that is going slow, like a lava kind of thing.、Mm. Is But being nude there in the moment is changing the whole perspective of it because you no longer have control over me. I have control over you, and I'm watching you. You're being watched while watching something.、Mm. So which one is doing the performance? You or mm. me? Mm. Mm. It's it's very interesting concept of changing 
the perspective of the audience is actually by, inspired by Marina Abramovic and um, I collaborated uh, my model for Carolina, a photographer, which she had um, her photographs around me and I was uh, naked in the middle. How will you change the perspective of photographing a naked body? How do you say differently when the naked body is alive and mm. is watching you? Mm. Following that, I wanted to do a video to project my video onto my body to change the perspective of the audience. How would I make sure that the audience is actually aware of me, that I'm watching them by drawing them? Mm. Is that I am watching you, you are the performer as well. What's going to happen to the, the drawings? Haven't thought about it yet. I wonder if you could put them up on the wall as you go along or something. Yeah. Interesting idea. That would be nice. But it sounds very exciting. I think one thing that Maria tends to downplay is how much she does at the same time. <laughs> the amount of simultaneous things. Like the, the same exhibition where she had a piece exhibited that I just described was the, pe was the place where she was the, a live performer in another room uh, surrounded by a cage of her own uh, photos by this artist, Carolina. And uh, it was, yeah, it, that was a really powerful, that was a really powerful piece. Because yeah, like I live with Maria. I think I've seen Maria naked as much as I've seen her clothed. And it's really not a weird thing for me to see Maria naked. However, even I, when I walked into the room and I saw her standing nude, surrounded by these photos, I didn't know where to look. Instantly I looked down. It's a really powerful experience because that, that relationship of being watched while you're looking at lewd photos or photos with a theme of like kink or fetish style um, was... It was so it was so unsettling because it, it turned the experience from voyeurism yeah. into into being watched as you react to something that may make you have a feelings that you're not necessarily sharing with the whole world and that might be quite personal. It's like I did I couldn't even look you in the eyes. I think Lots that was of the people worst. did then. It, it was just like my gosh. It's just ignoring yeah. the elephant in the room. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, what? <laughs> well, the ceiling is... So, like, I noticed that there was no ceiling in that room for the <laughs> first time that I've ever... I, I've been to that mansion four or five times now. I've never noticed that there wasn't a ceiling in the room. But purely because I didn't want to look at Maria, I noticed the fact that the ceiling was some gaping abyss because the, the building is quite derelict. Well, that but, was yeah. the point. And mm. the Ka Carolina's idea was change that perspective, mm. have that control over someone that is watching the photographs, that is what. Yeah, totally. And it was truly amazing to experience that, experience that, that power. Mm. Yeah, I guess so. Can you isolate your work to a single theme or sort of concept? <laughs> or would you say that there's multiple themes constantly at play in your practice? I think it all forms, it can form to one, but I'm, at the same time, I am working on different, um, different ideas and different concepts. It's always, it can form all the same, like I can have like a main theme that is, uh, 
always has identity in it. It always has uh, some sort of trauma or distortion, um, abstraction in it. What everything represents. Also about the female experience, I did a lot of work about that, about period, about about pain. So female experiences uh, was um, a dominant subject of mm. my work, which it still is, but at the same, I think it's more abstract now. Mm. It's not that mm. I mean, vulgar. I mean, in first year, like the predominant feature in your practice was the female body yeah. and parts of the female body. Yeah. Whereas now you're kind of more painting, maybe more fantasy landscapes. More creatures. Yeah. It's more like um, mm. more yeah landscape creatures. The body becoming a landscape, the way it forms itself, the way it mm. exists. Maybe it's the feeling of the body. Maybe it's mm. the a nightmare. Maybe mm. it's a feeling. Moving from the Little literal one. meaning of having a body or having an actual body there. Is making me, it made me have meaningful and metaphorical meanings of the body and symbols in it. Like you see a boob somewhere, you see a face somewhere, you see it forms like a landscape, but what do you see? Why do you see it? Mm. And yeah, I think it's the way my mind explains itself in a way, mm. is, is how. Sometimes my, my mind thinks and make pictures together and mm. distorting them and it's, it's, I think it's something like distorted reality. How do I pursue the world and how I see the world yeah. and why most of my life I felt like I was in a distorted reality mm. and very fairy tale gone bad kind of thing. And the way I, I do that in my art, I I feel like I finally became something that I, I would want to see myself doing. Mm. Because I, I was never happy, completely happy with what I was making. Yeah. I always liked the process of it, mm. but I was not happy with the result. Mm. Very critical of myself. Mm. And at the same time, trusting myself too much. Don't know how that connects, but yeah. You were trusting your need to create yes. and weren't, and weren't yes. necessarily loving the results. But yes. you definitely continue to have that trust in your process and yes. that trust in your need to experience what you needed to feel to be able to release them. Yeah, it's, it was, after a while, it was like a ritual to me. Mm. It was a cleansing. Mm. And it always made me feel better after, even though it could be like an emotional experience to make. Mm. But it made my mind calm itself when mm. I felt like I made it. It's that sense of achievement too. Yeah. I was always um, wanting dopamine, like, and wanted to get that dopamine. And the way I was getting it is from creating things. Mm. Mm. <laughs> yeah, relatable. relatable. Yeah. But you've mentioned that obviously Marina Abramovic was a huge inspiration and idol maybe potentially in your life for your work but were there any other artistic influences like who are your biggest ones as well as her Anna Medieta mm. is a big inspiration the way the way she abstracts the body placed like 
between obstacles and gratitude mm. kind of thing it's amazing like Anna Medeta was and I'm fascinated by her story as well lots mm. of about identity as well like this thought of faces their relationship with the nature that I want to explore more as well um, Francesca Hoodman was another big inspiration they wanted to disappear from her art or wanted to disappear from the world in general it was fascinating to see her her life and her art going it was so clear to me that she was so deeply depressed and she had identity issues she wanted to find herself or like identify herself in some way and she couldn't mm. and mm. that trying to have some some of recognition through her art mm. and sort of meaning through her art art became her life and then she just ended her life mm. that was a really good story like i was always looking for good stories usually the good stories that i found fascinating is the dark ones is the ones that don't finish well and filled with trauma yes filled with trauma mm. Another good artist that I I knew it existed, but I discovered the relation and I wanted to have signs of it in my art mm-hmm. was uh, Hieronymus Bosch, mm-hmm. which, yeah, what a personality. Um, <laughs> it's an artist that uh, there's lots of theories about him. Some of them saying that he, he was delusional, schizophrenic, or deeply traumatic maybe all of them together but the way that he was distorting the body and having images of heaven and hell the perception of life ex- accidental crisis is what i'm feeling all the time so i was like i want to create something like that these images that i thought it was just my brain i want to mm. make them reality but not necessarily my reality I just mm. want to create a reality yeah. that is inspired by mine. Mm. And yeah, he helped me like seeing the body in lots of different ways. Like having a face, big face and people coming out of their eyes and what's the dark intentions behind it. And like everything dark attracts me so much mm. and I wanted to find why. Why does it attract me so much? And something like was wrong with the picture. Something was wrong in the painting. That I needed to know why it drives me insane. And I want it. I want to have that in my art. I want to be able to see the art and being like, that's disgusting. Why? Like, have that not necessarily just disgusting or having an emotion having a reaction is what i i want what i i would hope to have it's a big deal for me to have a reaction in my heart. i think mm. when i don't have a reaction i i feel like it's not quite there yet mm. i mean yeah it's a, it's a good way of testing your work to yeah. see how people react to it 
And it, it's also the fact that I react to it as well. I see things in my paintings that are not necessarily intentional after I create them. And seeing me having this reaction as well as a third person is also big. Mm. What kind of contemporary artists are you looking at in your work right now? Uh, surrealist, um, abstractive, figurative artists like. Um, yeah, I've just realised that my questions are kind of very similar, so I thought maybe it'd be like, interesting that um, you've seen, you've given your past. I don't, sort of I don't know how contemporary is Louise Bourgeois. I mean, she's still alive, isn't yes. she? So she counts. Louise Bourgeois. I don't know if I'm saying Louise that. Louise Bourgeois. Yeah, that. Mm. I've been to Tate Britain and Tate Modern. That was a very good experience of seeing uh, realistic art and no realistic art and expressive art. Lots of the historical paintings made me form landscapes and ideas about how would I create the landscapes of having forms or how would I abstract the forms that are already there mm. kind of thing. And I was really interested about the, the composition that they were making. They're not contemporary art. Mm. Yeah, I, don't, I think I'm inspired by not contemporary art. Yeah, if anything, you kind of mentioned that when you were going through these exhibitions that you saw a lot of abstract work and you felt that maybe the art world was moving away from the figurative yeah, style. Yeah. And that's maybe something you don't connect with as much and you want to hold on to the figurative and take that through into your contemporary work. Yeah, I think I like abstract, but to my art, I the figure is important. So the mm. figure needs to be there for me. Mm. So looking at uh, lots of art that uh, is moving away from the figure a lot it made me think that maybe art is moving away from the figure in general which is it makes me really sad because i feel like figure is also important and it, ne it needs to exist in mm. like some artists needs to do that figurative art is not lost it's not a dead subject. It's not going to be ever, I think, because the way an artist pursues the body or the figure is also the fact that painting is so old. You have your whole history in your hand when you paint. Yeah, yeah. And so it's, it's really, yeah, it's really difficult to to have that power over it or to have that difference and. I feel like with that, that's why I like monotypes mm. because they, even though they have history, I feel more free to to have figures in it and not to have figures in it. It's more like less thinking, sketches, seconds. It's, uh, it's more like a, a process, thoughts, mm. and it doesn't make you think about your whole existence when you do it yeah, like you painting yeah you don't have time you have seconds so mm. you're you're just going yeah it's like you work through your technique and your processes and your emotions in your paintings yeah and then you can take the techniques and the and the pattern like the concepts yeah. and the shapes that you like and you can apply them to these five second prints rather than spending your emotional energy into a painting for hours i mean you how long does it take you to paint one of your paintings if you're using oil paint I don't actually know. Because how many are you working on simultaneously? Like right now? All right now it's one because I think I have time. I we had to have things on the wall, true, so true. I couldn't use any other wall. But 
usually it's three or four at the same time and i'm working on sketches on other ones or at the same time monotypes and planning performances yeah and planning performances and have also scheduled photo shoots so it's it's busy (laughs) it's busy i mean i guess that that takes me to my next question which is describe a creative day in your life it used to be so easy you know it used to be just go to the studio and paint Ah yes, the performance medium. We both we've both transferred more into performance, and uh, it's uh, rather less easy to just sort of do. You have to put a lot more planning in, and then Maria's also got on top of that. <laughs> like she's just mentioned the sixteen things that she's doing simultaneously, and thinking that you know she can just do them all at the same time, and somehow pulling it off. Burly. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm. Lately, I have a schedule, so I have like a planner. You got for me, <laughs> but I have a planner, and I have every day about the things that I'm gonna do, and a list of doing that. That people that I know me don't laugh, so <laughs> I'm doing that like seriously. Like I know it's been <laughs> a hell of a journey to convince me to do this, or like yeah. having some sort of schedule, but I'm finally doing it. Mm. Be proud of me. Um, Very. Yeah, I have an actual schedule and I have things that I have to book in workshops like two weeks in advance and I plan every day what I'm gonna do and things go wrong, always they go wrong but you have, like, I learned to have a backup plan so I, I have, I don't know, less disappointment and more... That's really smart actually, I hadn't thought about having a plan like that because then it's like it's like if you can't do a you'll do b yeah it's not like losing i can't do that so i'm i'm just like wasting my day Mm. yeah i don't i don't like feeling like Mm. i'm wasting time yeah which could be really stressful because it's hard to get breaks it's hard to actually process what you're doing but definitely changing mediums it helps me in that it helps me in having my brain in different mediums because uh, in doing monotypes for example it has some sort of break between it has like the putting the paper to soak uh, like drying it and like and then putting it on the plate and do the, doing the machine so it can print onto it uh, which is not only having the sketch ready the plate that is gonna be printed on you have all this process that is it can be quite stressful when you're doing lots of things because I'm I learned that if I do one plate I'm losing time so I make five instead and then print them problem solved, <laughs> problem solved. losing time oh no uh, yeah in the dark room I have I think the most time to myself mm. is the unexpected I did monotypes in the dark room, but it's the same process with monotypes, but... It's like film photography. You're, yes, develop- yes, you're developing yes. photos, but you're painting the yes. film. And then after that, you have it. like just a blank photograph that you need to develop and put into three different chemicals to get developed and form itself as a photograph. Mm. Then you put in water and hang it up after 10 minutes in the water. And all the, it's just really nice. It's really nice to feel that process. And I did that, you can do that with, like, I did paintings only with the chemicals without actually exposing anything. 
and I did photographs without a photograph, like having things exposed to it, which I didn't like, but I tried it. I have my own photographs that I ab abstracted with the, with the chemicals as well. You can work on lots of different things in the darkroom and it's fascinating because you, you never know how it's gonna look. You never know how it, and you have to let go of the idea of having something like you want it to be. Mm. And that letting go of the idea helped me in paintings as well. Or letting go of the idea of having this specific thing represented. Mm. So yeah, what's some of your favourite projects? I mean, you know mine. <laughs> mine is definitely when, at the beginning of lockdown, Maria asked me to help her film one of her performance pieces. And this entire performance consisted of her being absolutely naked and putting a paper bag on top of her head, dancing around to Don't Stop Me Now by Queen. And it was absolutely fabulous to watch because you could tell that she was trying to portray how lockdown made her feel and the madness and lack of control that we were feeling because of this massive change. And it was both hilarious and beautifully done. And I think to this day, that's probably still one of my favorite performance pieces that I've ever got to witness. But I also do have like, a, I've got a painting there. I've got one just outside this door. So I do like her paintings too. Yeah, it, it's funny because you experience the music in it. Mm. So you have a, a more hilarious vibe to it. Mm. And the actual performance piece is without music. So mm. I'm just dancing to nothingness. <laughs> Which, how, it, it's how it felt in yeah. lockdown. You yeah. were dancing to nothingness. Totally. It was, nobody could actually see what we were doing. And mm. I think that that's how it, my art got trapped in in a box of like, I'm the only one allowing me to see my art. Mm. And my art became way more personal because of it. Yeah. Because nobody could see it. Mm. Like it was my need to do art and my need to explore my relationship with someone or having an audience, mm. having like someone that might watch it. So then, relationship between audience and myself mm. but an invisible audience that I didn't have so everything I was doing it was about me mm. and because of me <laughs> and it was traumatic yeah. and yeah you were really exp experiment experiencing that disconnect weren't we yeah and like we didn't have the connection with even we did a lot of collaborative work in first year and then lockdown happened and it was like, hey, we tried to do one. We did more, like one body painting thing in a house, but it was just so much more stressful. And we yeah. all just started doing our own individual things. And yeah, that was really represented through a lot of your work that you were making. I connected with uh, my friend Evita a lot when lockdown started. We were both doing our performances. So we start doing together with like distance. So we can portray the distance that we had to have being together in the same room, really. It was interesting. Some of the pieces that we did together, I'm really proud of. They're more, much more structured than the ones that I was doing by myself. Mm. I felt like I was losing myself. I was wanting to escape from everything that was happening. I was completely dissociating from who I am and what is art in general. I was really pushing the boundaries and wanted to see 
what I'm willing to do to do it. Yeah, it's actually interesting there. Like you've kind of breached a little bit onto the next question, which is describe the role of the artist and how art is important to society. Because I think we we understood the role of the artist a little bit better when lockdown hit. Yeah. So definitely. What would you say is the role of the artist? It's just it's such a complicated question, you know.、Mm. But I realize the therapeutic sense that art has, and how everybody or like lots of people went back to art. They wanted to connect with something or with their emotion. I do feel like without the lockdown in general, art represents lots of different things. But lockdown changed the perspective of the art in general. It made art way more important. From the people that they didn't think it was important,、mm. as well, because I always thought that art is important, but not all the people did. Lockdown really changed the perspective of nowhere to go to see a play, nowhere to go to see art. It was so lonely, so、mm. empty, and it made us co- connect as artists. Like Instagram became like. A place that lots of people were like, "Look, I'm doing this thing,"、mm. because they couldn't see anyone, and you could. It,、yeah. w- it would really inspire you to be like, "Okay,、mm. I'm gonna do things as well," because look, everybody else they're doing、yeah. things. Look, yeah, I'm isolating for twelve days, so I've got to just sit in my house and do nothing. So I may as well. Make a thing and show the world, and it's like, oh, what are you doing in your house alone? What are you doing in your house alone? Like, imagine lockdown without any art, like TV, film, gallery, art shows,、They're、absolutely depressing. Cartoons,、yeah. books. There's so much that art brings to our world. It's absolutely invaluable, in my opinion. And the meanings in it as well.、Mm. Not only the therapeutic, yeah, but,、uh, totally. The fact that we can't communicate with the with the world without even speaking is with making things. And that is just amazing to me. I think that's why I delayed a lot to get into writing about my art、mm. because I just feel like it's so boring. <laughs> I don't also, need to speak.、Yeah, it's also heavy. I think、yes. a lot of the work that we've been making over lockdown has been impacted by such a massive change in our lives. Yeah. That having to acknowledge how nah, much the、nah. pandemic <laughs> affects us is kind of annoying. And it's kind of frustrating because we have to keep being reflective and introspective and understanding why we're making our choices、yeah. and what is. And we just sat there going, "Oh well, I'm in a pandemic, so I'm super anxious. I'm also stressed. I'm is- I'm disconnected from everyone I love. I feel super lonely." And then they're just like, "But you can't use COVID as an excuse to talk about your work." We're sat there going, "It's it's so intrinsic to who we are, don't you think?" Yeah. Our emotions will always influence who we are and what we make. And that's why probably reflecting on it and having to acknowledge what's actually going on is harder than just going, ah, well, I'm making stuff because it makes、yeah. me happy. It was also for me was losing time of, yeah, of making making things,、yeah. having to explain what I make. And I'm like, here you go, this is what <laughs> I make. Like, explain that to me if you want it. Like, yeah, it's very much like I think Andy Warhol said something like, I just make and then I let them. Decide what it means when、yeah. I make more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's exactly my thoughts.、Mm. <laughs> um, how do you seek out opportunities? Seriously, googling everything. Like I Google everything. Whatever I do in relates to anything that I might think it relates to, I just Google opportunities. And it's also surprisingly that Instagram helped me so much finding in opportunities as well. What do you search in Instagram? I don't search, 
they just advertise it to me. <laughs> Algorithms. So I feel like us. because I search about opportunities that much, Instagram just brings me more. And mm. I also have uh, like friends in the course that send me things, and I send them things, and we have like I think a, com- a community that we share opportunities. Mm. And I also applied to lots of opportunities that uni recommended. Like I really try to apply to anything I can. It makes me feel like I'm doing something. Like I feel important when I do it. It's it's a dopamine relief. Even though I I might not get accepted and I didn't get accepted to lots of different things, but the times that you get accepted is worth it. Yeah, it's so worth it. Like I do recommend to just apply to everything. Like, so when you apply to things, do you have sort of a base statement that you put on everything and kind of alter so that it's more tailored to it? Do you keep it all in one place so that you can just instantly send things and go, here you go, here you go? Is it tailored to every individual experience? Like, I mm-hmm. I really know so little about this that I'm learning at the same time, so... I used to not. I used to just try to write something about specific opportunities because I didn't have anything written about my art in general. But now that I have things written about my art that I... I, I wrote about and I'm proud of what I wrote. I rewrite it and I re-edit it over and over again. I have like parts of statements that I have for like themes uh, that I apply to different themes of because I'm not really precious about the meaning that my art has. So I can't, I don't know if it sounds bad, but I change it so it can form to a theme, it can it can change to a theme so it can be exhibited. I think it's just small things, small things. It, it might be the same, but I will talk about it differently if it's gonna be exhibited. Mm. It might be that I, instead of a statement, I had a poem near that I, I might choose not to have. Like, it's just small things, small changes. But now, yes, I have a lot of statements that are for specific reasons, but I usually change a lot before I apply to something. Yeah, like you adapt them to yeah, each I adapt, uh, Yeah, I adapt them a lot. But at the start it was difficult. I learned to ask for help. I learned to have people went over things and look, spend more time on writing as well. I used to think it's such a waste of time. But <laughs> actually spending time to explain uh, what I mean or what I feel it is important. We, unfortunately, it is important. <laughs> oh, what a chore. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, that's really interesting because yeah, I feel like that's a it's a, it's something I struggle to do. So I've I've recently applied to my first ever exhibition, and I'm also going to be exhibited. So Go yeah, it's, defi- it's definitely inspiring to have Maria in the house going. I've applied to another exhibition. I've applied to another one. I need to do another one. I've done one more. <laughs> she'll come running in and tell me all the exhibitions that she's going to be in and she's really like she's absolutely killing it so she's doing she you've been exhibited at least 10 times now including online and physical exhibitions yeah including online yeah. Like, that's like that's a lot and like you like what well, i've done i'm not even i'm in one now actually that's like i've got two because i've got the magazine but that's still like I'm still. I've been in magazines as well. Yeah, there you go. That's eleven. You're doing really incredible things, and yeah, I think yeah, you've got that drive and that passion to keep getting like driving you forwards and keep making and it's just exciting. doing. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, yeah, it's the adrenaline rush. Yeah. Of, am I gonna get it? Like, oh, I've tried now. Yeah, it's like it's exactly the sort. You've got the attitude of uh, don't ask, don't get. Yeah, it's it's like my mind is like if you apply to fifty, at least 
like some of it will you get accepted if you apply to one mm. the chances of getting accepted is little mm. so it's like the more the better yeah sometimes i used to have that as well i used to get really sad when i didn't get accepted to something and sometimes it's not about your art sometimes you don't fit to that theme yeah. or they they want from you something else they want from the artist something else that is not necessarily you it's not necessarily has to do with your art it's just not for you the opportunity and mm. that's okay mm. and it's hard but mm. it's okay you find things that it, it match with your personality mm. and your art and you, you as mm. an artist mm. and you learn through the years i learned to create my own opportunities as well ask mm. places to and do collaborate. things collaborate with places or photographers create your own opportunities if you don't find any <laughs> Totally. Well, I mean, this is bringing us to the end of this podcast, and I've I've just been having a great time. I thank you so much for coming. That was yeah. awesome. Yeah, I think we're gonna we're gonna round off this episode with your oracle card quotes, because oh, yeah. yeah, I've I, I've started this trend, and I think I, I I really like the idea of where it's going. So if I could get a quote for life, a quote for work, and a quote for inspiration from you. I think that's how we'll round off this episode. My quote for life is it's actually a Latin quote that I I change it a little bit. The Latin quote is uh, "Cogito ergo sum," which means in English "I think, therefore I am," or "I exist." I change it to "I create, therefore I am," or "I exist." It's both "I think" and "I create" so similar to me. Which is for a live code, I think it sums it up.、Mm. My work code is: if your mind lets your imagination escape, create that reality.、Mm. The inspiration is: don't let your trauma trap you. Change your unconscious, recreate it. Beautiful. Thank you so much for coming, and thank you all for listening. Thank you all for listening. That's been awesome.